0: The following message by Shane Sowers is brought to you by Central Baptist Church, Aurora, Colorado. www.cbcaurora.com Micah chapter 2, verses 6 to 11. Micah chapter 2, verses 6 to 11. There was an interesting article in the New York Times, and they wrote this. The Puritan colonists who settled in New England in the 1630s had a nagging concern about the churches they were building. How would they ensure that clergymen would be literate. Their answer was Harvard University, a school that was established to educate the ministry and adopted the motto, truth for Christ and the church. Harvard University. It was named after a pastor, John Harvard, and it would be more than 70 years before the school had a president who was not a clergyman. Wow. But here we are, nearly four centuries later, Harvard's organization of chaplains has elected as its president an atheist. Chaplains now. An atheist named Greg Epstein, author of the book Good Without God. It's a sim- seemingly unusual choice for the role, yet, many Harvard students, some raised in families of faith, Others, never quite certain how to label their religious identities, attest to the influence that Epstein has had on their spiritual lives. Epstein said, There is a rising group of people who no longer identify with any religious tradition, but still experience a real need for conversation and support around what it means to be a good human and live an ethical life. Family, the irony of that is... Without God, how do you know what's good, and how do you know what's right and wrong? Odd statement, right? (laughs) He has been Harvard's humanist chaplain since uh, 2005, teaching students about the progressive movement that centers people's relationships with one another instead of with God. The uh, uh, the author of this uh, article he writes this reflects a broader trend of young people across the United States who increasingly identify as spiritual but religiously unaffiliated. Uh, that's like my, one of my favorite ones there. That's this you're spiritual but religiously non-affiliated. That trend might be especially salient at Harvard. A Harvard Crimson survey of the class of 2019 found that those students who were two times more likely to identify as atheist or agnostic than 18-year-olds in the general population. So Epstein said, we don't look to God for answers. We are each other's answers. Epstein's community has tapped into the growing desire for meaning without faith in God. Another interesting statement there, because how can you have meaning for anything unless you have God? Right? It's like my atheist friend says, well, Shane, I know that two plus two equals four. Yeah, but you know what? If without God, if I say two plus two equals five, who cares? Did you guys see that interview on Fox News about the lady who says that if you say 2 plus 2 equals 4, it's racist? But, but family, I know we listen to this stuff and we're just like, what in the world is going on? But you move God outside of the picture, what do you think is going to happen? What do you think? What, what do we expect was going to happen when you move God outside of the picture? How in the world are we supposed to have meaning for anything if we move God outside of the picture? We can't. You absolutely can't. But people know right and wrong, Shane. I said, Yeah, I know that people know right and wrong. But you, as an atheist, you can't account for that. You know how I know that people know that people know right from wrong is because man was made in the image of God. So he says this. Uh, A.J. Kumar, the president of a Harvard Humanist graduate student group, said, being able to find values and rituals but not having to believe in magic, now that's a powerful thing. Being able to find meaning, being able to find significance, being able to find right and wrong, morality, all of these types of things to be objective about it. He says, yeah, he goes, if we can do that, then, and that's what we're doing, we're trying to do this, um, finding values, and we find it, and we don't actually have to believe in magic. I said, if you find it without God, that's magic. <laughs> this is what's happening sadly, to our institutions, Christian institutions and Christians all over the world today. All over the world today. This is the kind of stuff that's happening. Secular humanism is getting in. It's turning our Christian institutions upside down. And we as the church, what are we doing about it? (laughs) What are we saying from our pulpits in America today? Are we addressing these issues? Are we addressing the consequences of these things that are happening? Are we addressing the fact that God is looking down upon our country and is probably not all that happy? This is happening all over the world, and we want to continue to preach sermons from behind the pulpit as to how we can feel better about ourselves how we can have a better self-image, how we can apply methods and methodologies in order for us to have a luxurious life, a life of real prosperity. And the prosperity teaching that's giving people false hopes and giving people selfish ambition, during a time in our country today of real lawlessness in our country in our culture, in our society, in our world. The irony is, is that we are declaring the good life that comes from God, yet our society is telling everybody there is no God. You see see what I mean? So people are coming to church not believing in God, and we're telling them how God could actually help them? This is happening, and institutions and our young people are walking away from Christ in frightening numbers today. How can Christ help when we don't even believe in Christ? How can Christ guide us when we think he's a myth? How can Christ give us prosperity when he's only the figment of a brainwashed imagination? So by all means, silence those who preach the truth. And the chaos of atheism comes. We're looking for God to bless us with all kinds of material blessings and luxuries and comforts and experiences and and we whine and we pine for it. While we're doing this, Our country, our society, our cultures, our younger generations, our institutions, and our churches are burning up with the worst kinds, horrid kinds, unthinkable kinds of sins that would make even Sodom and Gomorrah stand in awe of what it is we're doing today. Man, I think Sodom and Gomorrah, Bethsaida, all of them, they're all looking going, whoa, we didn't even think of that. That one's a good one. You can put that in the notes, man, for next time, in case there is a next time. There's killings. Stealing, prostitution, greed, extortion, lust, lasciviousness, homosexuality, transgenderism, pornography, narcissism, violence, rape, looting, espionage, corruption of courts, leaders, politicians, business institutions, deception, false advertising, stealing money, property, human trafficking, false religions, witchcraft, medium sorcery, killing babies, mutilating minors for special interests, illegal drugs, alcohol abuse, ungratefulness, rebellion to authority, divorce, coveting, and the list goes. Goes on and on and on. And remember, these things even happen in churches in our country. Not only do we have these things in our country, we're leading the league in these things. So by all means, silence those who preach the truth. These are things that are condemned by God. And we have been warned about this stuff time and time again. Nations for centuries have been judged by God for all of this lawlessness. And do we think for whatever reason we are exempt from his hand of correction? See, that's the thing that blows me away. You look at biblical history, look at what we see in scripture of what nations have done Compare those sins to the sins that we are seeing in our country today? I, I mean, I'm just going to jump out and I'm just going to say it. Shame on God if he doesn't judge America. Ooh. Okay, I got one amen over here. Wow. Wow. I bet you when you woke up this morning, you weren't expecting this. Nations for centuries have been judged by God for all of this lawlessness. Do we think for whatever reason that we are exempt from the hand of correction? What we are doing today is far worse than what was happening in Israel and Judah. And the horrible judgment of God is coming it's coming and today's pulpits in america were preaching the good life luxury self-centeredness prosperity health wealth method methods of better modern living humanistic principles pragmatic methods godly greed and that marijuana is now a sacrament and the whole time we're doing this not realizing that many of our young people are actually walking away from the faith today. I mean, what, what are they hearing in school? I mean, one young person, I overheard a conversation with one young person who was brought up in a church that was a, a prosperity gospel preaching church, and he goes, yeah, I went to school, and we had to ask, ask the question about God and all that stuff, and you know what I said? I said, you know what, I looked at my parents growing up my whole life. My parents served God all their lives. They're still poor. They don't have a better life. Their kids are struggling. Our lives never got better. So the professor looks at them and says, well, I got an answer for you. Oh, really? You do have an answer? Yeah. The answer is maybe there's no such thing as God. Oh, I never thought of that. I guess maybe this Christianity thing is just a game. Maybe it's just a, a, a coping mechanism for my parents. Maybe the next the first generation before me, maybe this is just what they needed in order for them to get through life. Ah, I, I don't need none of that. I don't want none of that. How can Christianity be, Christianity be helpful if people don't even believe it's true? So by all means... Silence those who preach the truth. We've been and are doing right now the same things the prophets were doing in Israel and Judah during this time. They were trying to silence those who were preaching the truth, those who were preaching what was real, what was sober, what was the will of God, and they were encouraging all of the preachers, the preachers of the good life, luxury, prosperity, and all and all that they wanted to hear. They told those preachers to keep on keeping on, my brother. And God called them out on that, just like He's doing today. Will we listen? So check it out. Micah chapter two, verses six to 11. Micah chapter two, verses six to 11. Don't say such things that people respond. Don't prophesy like that. Such disasters will never come our way. Should you talk that way, O family of Israel? Will the Lord's spirit have patience with such behavior? If you would do right, then you would find my words comforting. Yet to this very hour, my people rise against me like an enemy. You steal the shirts right off the backs of those who trusted you, making them as ragged as men returning from battle. You have evicted women from their pleasant homes and forever stripped their children of all that God would give them. All that God would give them. Up, be gone. This is no longer your land and home, for you have filled it with sin and ruined it completely. Suppose a prophet full of lies would say to you, I'll preach to you the joys of wine and alcohol. That's just the kind of prophet you would like. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word today. Pray that you cause it to be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. May we hide its words in our heart that we might not sin against you. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So you guys see it's going going to be a juicy one today. The first thing we're going to look at today is the pressure for those who preach the truth to stop from the culture and even from our church. The second thing we're going to look at is the reality of prosperity teaching and how it is encouraged by the culture and by the church. Finally, we will see the truth of the coming judgment of the Lord and the truth of how we can be saved and receive life and life more abundant in Christ. Our thesis statement today is this, though sin and the pattern of this world cause us to become apathetic Toward the real state of our land. It's the power of the Holy Spirit, the truth of the scriptures that will cause us to see the reality of lawlessness, the need to repent, and finding grace and mercy in Christ for life and life more abundant in Christ and in Christ alone. So, point number one be silent. Don't say such things. As many years as I have been in ministry, um, I did the thing where on my birthday, I like to find out how old I am and, and one of the things I like to do is find out how long I've been in ministry. I know, believe it or not, I know I look young, but I was blown away by this. Did you know that I have been in ministry for 32 years now? I, I just, it blows me away. Like, wow, am I getting that old? As many years as I have been in ministry, 32 years now, I cannot count, I cannot count how many times I've heard people say to me, Shane, don't preach to me. I can't tell you how many times I've heard that. Many of you guys aren't even in ministry, just Christians. They're just, you know, but, but you're king and queen of the kingdom of heaven, but just Christians. How many times have people said that to you? Don't preach to me. Don't talk to me about this kind of stuff. Just keep that stuff to yourself, Shane. I remember just having a conversation with one of my family members as I'm driving him you know, from the airport or to the airport. And he's just saying, you know, I, I appreciate you being a pastor and all, Shane, but you know what? Uh, just keep that stuff to yourself. Don't preach to me. I, just, I really just don't want to. you. You want to keep having a relationship with me? Don't preach to me. Don't say such things. This is what we see in the passage of scriptures today. Don't say such things. That's essentially what people are saying to Micah right now. That's what the people of Israel, that's what the people of Judah, that's what all of these people are saying to Micah right now. Do not preach to me about this stuff. In the Hebrew, it's interesting though, in the Hebrew, there is a bit of irony because the way Micah says it more literally is the people Preach to me, don't preach to me. Interesting. Don't, the people are preaching to me, telling me not to preach to them. Don't tell us about these things. Don't preach about the coming judgment of God. Do you know why I don't want you to preach to me about this coming judgment of God? This is what the people of Israel and Judah are saying? Because it's not going to happen. God is not going to let this stuff happen. We are the people of the covenant. We are the people of God. God would never let such an atrocity happen to us. God has a covenant with us. He will never let us be overrun. God will not let us be judged by another nation. God will not let us be conquered. God will not punish us. God will not correct us. We will never be put to shame. We are his people. There will never be disgrace upon us. That's essentially what they're saying here, family. No, it's not going to happen. So don't tell me about this stuff. If you're going to continue to preach this stuff, then I question your motives, Shane. I question your motives, Micah and Isaiah and all the prophets of the time. I question your motives. Why would you tell people that God is going to do this when God would never do such a thing? God will not bring judgment upon his people. God will not bring judgment upon you. He won't bring judgment upon me. Don't say such things. Amen, whoever said that. Amen. Here's the thing. They're saying, the people are saying, don't say such things. God would never do such a thing. Family, this is clearly the reality today. Oh, come on. You don't think that that's what some of these preachers in America are telling people this morning? Right now as I speak, what they're telling, the people telling them that there's not going to be a judgment God's not going to judge you. God's not going to do anything to this nation. This is a Christian nation. God won't harm America. God loves America. You know, all this stuff. And God won't send you to hell. There's not going to be any judgment. There's not going to be, any matter of fact, there's probably no hell. Family, there are tons of comments, books, videos, tape series. You guys remember tape series? Remember they used to call it the book and tape table? <laughs> yeah, we, don't, we don't do that no more. There's all these things that are out there calling for the silence of those who they will refer to as those preachers who preach hellfire and brimstone. You know them hellfire and brimstone preachers? I guess they throw me in that category too. Uh, Come on, that's not true, is it? Those hellfire and brimstone preachers? Don't even listen to them. Don't support them. Don't encourage them. All they do is make people feel bad about themselves. Shane preaches on sin all the time. Don't support him. This is bad for people's self-esteem. They tell me they don't want to hear about that stuff. They talk about God coming to judge, but there's no judgment. They talk about hell, but there's no hell. And I love this one. And even if there is judgment, you're not going to be judged because you go to church. Oh my gosh, I heard that one a couple of weeks ago. I about fell out of my chair when I heard that from laughing. God is not going to judge you because you go to church. You know what's funny is, that's what, the, is the, that's what they said in Judah, right? Remember when they said the temple of God, the temple of God. We're in the temple of God. Nothing is going to happen to us while we're in the temple of God. Guess what happened? <laughs> Just because you go to church does not mean that you're going to be exempt. This is another one I heard. There, even if there is a hell, you're not going to go to it because God loves you. You will not be put to shame. God is love. God is mercy. God is gracious. There's no judgment. There's no hell. Nothing bad will happen to you. My God will not do anything like that. He will not be wrathful because he's love. Shane, don't say such things. Just say no to preaching on sin. Don't say such things there's no judgment, there's no hell coming. He said, it's not to pay the price for sins. And he's looking out into all of us in the workshop. He goes, there's probably some pastors, pastors in this room right now who are preaching every single Sunday that Jesus died to pay the price for your sins. He says, that is absolute heresy. Whoa. And I'm sitting back there going, I'm glad I came here today. <laughs> this is going to be fun. i mean i've been called things but i haven't been called a heretic before for preaching the gospel so this is this is interesting i'm sitting back there there's bad leadership in the world he's going to pay the price for sin he says because god does not require blood because god is love and god would never require the shedding of blood and then one young person was like wait a minute wait a minute asked the question that i was thinking if God did not require blood, why did God instruct the Israelites to do the whole sacrificial system at the temple where they sacrifice animals, which was pointing to the actual fulfillment of what Christ was going to do on the cross? I was just like, oh, amen. I'll go to your church. It was a, it was a girl, so I couldn't. But it, <laughs> I, that was good preaching. And I was like, I was like, okay. All right, here we go. It didn't even face him. It wasn't like one of those moments where he goes, "Huh, that was a good question." He says, "No." He goes, "Nope, The Israelite thought they, the Israelites they thought that's what God said. Okay. all that yeah, all the stuff Moses wrote all the, Moses and the prophets, all that stuff, yeah, that was all a mistake. God didn't really mean that, they just took it that way and came up with this whole system and that just proves to you just how messed up leadership is in this world that was my face I think I was making he doesn't require death well, but, but what about God's judgment? That You know, all the nations that God used, Egypt, Babylon, Assyria, all those nations and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, no, that just shows how corrupt leadership is. That was not judgment by God. Nebuchadnezzar was not God's minister of judgment. So we just misunderstood that. Church consultants are telling pastors who want their church to grow. Do you know what church consultants tell me all the time? Stop talking about sin, judgment, and hell, Shane. We went over and we looked at your whole website on YouTube and we watched all your videos. We watched this stuff. Do you want to know why you cannot get people to come to Central Baptist Church? It's because you are preaching on sin, hell, and judgment. Stop doing it. So, what they tell me. Like point blank, tell me that, guys. Stop doing it. If you do, well, enjoy your having a small church. Stop doing this, Shane. For the sake of your church, for the sake of their self-esteem, you need to stop doing it. Like it says in our passage today, don't say such things. It's today. This is happening today. This is what's going on today. Don't say such things. They are telling your pastor, Central Baptist Church, the world, the church, Is telling your pastor all these times when you guys think I'm not doing anything and I'm in the office answering phone calls. Hello, Pastor Train. This is Bob Smith from the Evangelical Church Consulting Association. And we want to talk to you about Central Baptist Church. And they started giving me all these things about how we gotta have air conditioning and how we gotta have a bigger parking lot, and you know, we have to have like swings and a playground for the adults to play on, you know, all that kind of all this stuff. And we watch some of your sermons and we have some things that we'd like to critique and we like to tell you all that. This is what I do. That's what they're doing. That's what they're telling us. they telling us, stop saying such things. Point number two, be not silent. Not only are the people saying, Shane, don't say such things. They're telling the preachers who are preaching the truth, just be quiet. What they're doing is they're also encouraging the preacher of the People. To keep on keeping on. Be not silent, oh false prophets. See, now here comes the preacher who's coming to preach about partying, right? See, this is something that I got to clear up today. A misunderstanding of this passage is what makes many in our time uh, feel like this passage of scripture has nothing to do with us. Why? Because yes, if a preacher comes and I get up here and I said, hey, the title of my sermon today is drink more wine and beer. Yeah, I'm sure probably most of you guys probably won't like it. This is a pastor coming up and he's talking about partying. Yeah, okay, whatever. Uh, This new generation of pastor, they just preach on all kinds of stuff. See, we think that what this is about is we think that this is about partying. Yeah, this is the kind of preacher you want. You want the preacher that's going to come in there and tell you about how you should live, riotous living, drunkenness, alcohol, all of those types of things. But he is not talking about partying here. Whoa. You mean he's not talking about partying here? Yeah, because that's what I'm saying. You think this is about partying. You think, oh, this doesn't apply to me. Oh, this has nothing to do with me. I don't want to hear sermons about partying either. In the Hebrew, the phrase is more literally translated, I will drip on about plenty of wine and beer. In the Hebrew rendering, the way that people would read that would signify not partying, but would signify the message of wealth, prosperity, peace, and luxurious livings, living. In other words, these are preachers that are going to come and tell you that God wants you to live like kings. That's what that's signifying. It's not talking about partying like we think of today. It's talking about preachers that are coming to tell you about luxury, about prosperity, about how God wants you to live the good life. Do you know what he's doing right here? Back in the time where all the stuff was happening, yeah, these were prosperity gospel preachers that were coming. These are the guys they were calling for. These are the prophets that the people wanted. All the stuff that's happening in their culture today, everything that's going down in Israel and Judah, what do the people want to surround themselves with? People who are going to tell them about lifestyles where the wine will be flowing, where the beer would be flowing, where there'll just be luxurious, prosperous time. God wants you to be prosperous. God wants you to be comfortable. They're saying to these preachers, be that preacher. A popular, uh, um, a popular preacher actually wrote a book called, a best-selling book, millions of copies, a book called God Wants You to Be Rich. Actually wrote a book with that title. Remember back in the day that the prosperity gospel was a little bit more subtle? Yeah, they're just coming right out and saying, God wants you to be rich. A preacher from a large church in California says that the Holy Spirit is like the genie from Aladdin. He's there to make all your dreams come true. Just name it, claim it, blab it, grab it, confess it, and possess it. I said, my, my, uh, my homiletics professor used to say, when you, t- when you do prosperity gospel preaching and you say things that rhyme like that, you got to say it with a southern drawl or else there's not going to be any power with it. <laughs> and then pound the pulpit Suffering is not the will of God for you. It's not God's will for you to be poor. And family, the prosperity gospel is still keeping on and keeping on today. And because of our propensity to ignore the minor prophets, we don't realize the severity of what is being communicated here in our passage today. They say, be the preacher for this people. Do you see right here in our passage today, God is telling us just how mockingly horrible the prosperity gospel is. I'm giving you chapter and verse. Oh, Shane, you always talk about the prosperity gospel. Why are you always putting the prosperity gospel down? Prosperity gospel has helped and saved a lot of people, My mama, all this kind of stuff. I just, uh, what I need from you is I need chapter and verse. Guess what we have here today, family? Micah, chapter 6. Well, Micah chapter 2, verses 6 to 11. That's all you got to say. He is condemning this. He is condemning. He is mocking it and condemning people who are preaching health, wealth, and prosperity, luxurious living, especially during this time, especially in our day and age family, we're consumed with the prosperity that God is supposed to give to us, the promises that he had made to us, all the things of luxury and and prosperity that he owes me. We're pining and whining and we just want this. This is all we're consumed with today while 700,000 innocent babies are killed every single year in our country. We're whining and pining over all the stuff that we just don't have. And so-and-so has this, and and, and and Missy at her house, she has a trash can that talks to you and thanks you for putting in garbage. And they have a nicer car than me, and they have nice houses, and they got all this stuff, and I don't have anything. And we're doing this. Did you know that LifeWay Research stated that 7 out of 10 women who have abortions profess to be Christian? This is what's happening in our world. And that's what we're whining. That's what we're crying about. We just can't have that stuff. You know, I went over to Jacob's house and Jacob, they were eating lobster. Tonight, we're going to have imitation crab salad. This is not what God wants for me. Do you know that we are the fourth highest nation with murder rates? We have over a million people admitted to the hospital every year because of assault. Embezzlement happens every year by the thousands, even in the church. Stealing homes, property, inheritance, stealing by family, friends, preachers, and our government. Did you know that suicide is now the leading cause of death in America? There's a suicide every 11 minutes in our country. Divorce and sexual immorality rates in our church is rising exponentially every year. 20 million women and children are trafficked in the world. Did you know that 20,000 of the trafficked women and children are trafficked into the United States of America? Did you know that? It's not people going from America and we're selling them to other countries. Other countries are selling women and children to people in America. Eight million children are kidnapped every year. Every 20 minutes, a person is assaulted by a wife, husband, boyfriend, or girlfriend. A half a million rape cases every year. One out of six, at this point right now, the statistic is saying one out of six women have been sexually assaulted at some point in her life. One out of six women in America. Two million Americans are are arrested every year for drug crimes. Eleven million people a year are victims of alcohol-related crimes. And yet we want the preacher to tell us of the joys of wine and alcohol, the good life, the prosperous life, the way to live like kings. That's what we want to hear in our culture today. And we're so consumed with prosperity that God is to give all, all that he's promised to me, all that he owes me, while in the church we find some of the worst abominations being done by church leaders and Christian ministries. Do you know that Christian bookstores stock books that are written by heretics and we don't even know it? Like, I don't believe that a heretic, an individual who has books in the bookstore, who actually believes that Jesus is not a person of the Trinity. Books by teachers who believe that Jesus ceased to be God when he died on the cross. Do you know that if Jesus wasn't God when he died on the cross, we are all going to hell? We sing songs in the church that are written by musicians of of a church whose pastor believes that Jesus was not God. We got Jesus bobblehead dolls that we have on the dashboard of our cars and we think it's funny. In the church, there's embezzlement, sexual immorality, rape, child molestation, lies, deception, compromise, false teaching, false doctrines, things that would make false prophets in Micah's time blush. People don't want to hear the Bible. We don't want to learn the Bible anymore. We don't care about the Bible anymore. Christians don't read the Bible anymore. Did you know that the biblical illiteracy of Christians in America today is an absolute embarrassment to our Lord? And this makes all sense. Makes all the sense in the world. You know why? Because Dr. Vodi Bakum says this if we don't know the Bible, if we don't know doctrine, if we don't know theology, it's virtually impossible for us to identify false prophets. Amen, Shane. Amen, Shane. I agree with that. I know my Bible, I know doctrine, I know theology. Then why are you listening to false teachers? Huh? So I'll add to Votie statement and say this. <laughs> if you can't identify false teachers, you know what that means? That means you don't know your Bible, you don't know theology, and you don't know doctrine. But Shane, don't say such things. Don't preach to me, man. Don't tell me about this stuff. And all the while, the next generation is walking away from the truth. All the while, our nation is falling into a state that would shame even Sodom and Gomorrah. And all the while, we know that God is coming to judge. God is coming. Christ is coming to judge the living and the dead. And instead of being out there telling everybody and warning everybody and proclaiming the gospel, we're upset because God hasn't blessed us. So today we got to have French's musters. We can't have gray (laughs) poupon. Walking away from Christ and these young people today are telling me, man, Shane, it don't work. All this preaching about God does not work. Shane, the prosperity gospel makes people feel good. But do you know what? It's a lie. It doesn't come true. Do you know what, Shane? I was doing some, crunching some numbers. This this one guy that was talking to me about this, he's like a math major. Uh, Steve, you, you and him would be like great friends. Um, Math major, he was crunching some numbers. He says, Shane, you know what? I was calculating over the years how much my parents actually give to these Prosperity Gospel Ministries. He goes, do you know all that money that they give, if all that time that they were doing it for all these years that they were doing it, if they put that money in a mutual fund, do you know they'd be millionaires today? That was on camera, right, Jack? Do you hear that? All the money and the thousands of dollars they've been giving to these ministries. If they put that into a mutual fund, they would actually be millionaires today. But instead, (laughs) those charlatans are millionaires, and they're still poor, hoping that God's going to bring them their miracle. Man, Shane, I'm done. I'm done with this. That's what they tell me. This passage of scripture is showing us just how serious this is. This is not a game. The judgment of God is coming. It's real, and it's going to be terrible. I cannot imagine how bad it's going to be for us. We are even worse than Sodom and Gomorrah. Do you know that? Oh, but Shane, you know, Sodom and Gomorrah, they, they, were, they were wanting to have sex with angels. We're not that bad. If you could... We would. Come on, come on! Don't act like that's not our generation. God was mocking them. It's serious. Are we going to stop this, or are these the right kind of preachers for our culture today? Should we just quit? Should we just say, "Hey, you know what, Shane? Just be quiet. You know what? Maybe you're right. Maybe I will." Maybe because what our nation needs are preachers like this because that's what they want. Are they the preachers for us? It sure seems like it. I mean, and in the end, we let this happen. We do it. I got, I'm telling you, I'm not, I'm not preaching, you know, you guys know that when I was brought up in the church, I was brought up in a prosperity gospel preaching church. I experienced this. I've seen it. I still have friends who are part of it, and I have conversations with them. Lots of them are in the the end of their life. They're in their final season in life right now, and I have conversations with them, and it's sad. It's sad. You hope for prosperity. Shane, I hope for prosperity my whole life, and I got none and now my faith is failing at the end. I've given up on God. This is what you get. Your faith fails at the end. You give up on God. Your kids already gave up on God, and your son is now your daughter, and your daughter has a husband and a wife who are both female. Your bank account is dry. You can't pay bills. While you watch that preacher on TV, the TV that you have with no cable, who you gave your life savings to, is on TV laughing with the joys of wine and beer, talking about buying another private jet in the living room of their $30 million mansion. This is what's happening to you. You're sitting there watching, depressed, and then all of a sudden, you know what you're going to hear? You're going to hear the trumps of God sound. Jesus is going to descend from heaven. Jesus is going to come to judge the living and the dead. And he's going to put you on the left side. Let me tell you what your reward is. You can now spend eternity in hell, weeping and gnashing your teeth in utter darkness. Oh, but you got to live your life hearing about the joys of wine and beer. Tell him what he's won. You get none. And you didn't even get a taste. And you tell me, Shane, don't say such things. They say, be the preacher for this people. But God tells us in his word why we don't like the truth preachers. He tells us why. He makes it really clear why we don't like the truth preachers. We don't like it. And I gotta gotta be honest. I mean, there's some truth preachers that are more truth than others. Yeah, and it is painful. <laughs> it is painful, you know. I mean, here I'm a pastor. I'm trying really hard, doing everything that I can, you know. And they, would they, they be some, some preachers, uh, 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 like a good example is like, I can say his name. Paul Washer. You guys ever heard Paul Washer? Yeah, Paul Washer. Yeah, I, I, I work really hard. I do everything that I can to be a godly man and, and, a good, and a good Christian. Paul Washer figures out a way to make me feel like I'm going to hell. Great preacher though, great preacher. But God tells us why we don't like the truth preachers. God tells us why we want the preachers of prosperity and, and those who have no consequence. Why? Because in verse seven of our passage today, in verse seven, should you talk that way, O family of Israel? Will the Lord's spirit have patience with such behavior? You know what he says here? If you would do what is right, you would find my words comforting all the stuff you're hearing about sin, all the stuff that you're hearing about our fallen nature, about our shortcomings, about all the things that's bad, all these things that are happening, if you were doing what it is that you're supposed to be doing, if you were following hard after Christ, if you really were keeping your nose in God's word, you were allowing God's word to be a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path, if Jesus really was truly Lord of your life, Everything you are hearing about judgment that's coming would be a comfort to you. Family, let me tell you something. I know this doesn't sound good, but God coming to do to bring justice upon those who do evil is a good thing. It's a good thing. We want God to eradicate evil. We want God to eradicate wickedness. We want God to eradicate everything that's going to raise itself up against the knowledge of Christ. We want this. We want justice, family. The problem is, is that when we talk about the consequences and those who are going to receive God's judgment, we feel the... This pull that we're in that category. We feel that pull that we're in that category. We don't find the words of the Lord comforting because we are not doing what is right. This is the reality of sin. This is the reality of how far we have fallen. John chapter 3 verse 19. John chapter 3 verse 19. And the judgment is based on this fact. God's light came into the world, but people loved the darkness more than the light for their actions were evil. So none of this truth would hurt. None of this truth would be be pulling you down. It would be a comfort to you if you knew the truth. This is why we don't want to hear the truth of the scriptures. This is why even the church is cooperating with the world to undermine the validity and the authority of the word of God. The word of God is being attacked in our culture today. We love the darkness instead of the light because our deeds are evil. Sin is real. Sin is terrible. The wages of sin is death. We've got to snap out of it and look at our culture, look at our world, look and see how far we have fallen. Know that the Bible is true when it says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The Bible is true when it says no one is righteous, no, not one. The Bible is true when he says, when it says there is no one on earth who always does good and never sins all the catastrophe, all the calamity, all the chaos. And so we sit back and we say, yes, Shane, if the Bible is saying that, it's true. We're we're in trouble, yeah. So the natural question for many of us today is this. Can we be saved from this? You know what else the Bible tells us? Yes, you can. Family, we can be saved from this. We can be uh, overcomers when it comes to this. We can stand in the light, not because of any method or anything that I've shared with you today, but because there's hope for us, because this is a work that was done by our God who sent Jesus to die for our sins, according to the scriptures, and he was buried and he was raised on the third day, according to the scriptures. God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into this world to save sinners. Yeah, I know for a fact judgment is coming. But I know for a fact we can be saved. And I know for a fact that Jesus did all that was required for our salvation. Do you know how I know that? Because he rose from the grave. Go check the tomb. He's not there. Not there. The promise continues. All who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Do you know that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Family, don't be silent about this. Don't listen to the world. Don't listen to the culture. Now I get it. If the world is saying, well, Shane, all Shane does is talk about sin and he makes me feel bad. And then I'm walking out of the church going, when the world's gonna happen? No, yeah, you're right. If that's all I'm doing. But every time we speak on sin, we always let them know that there's salvation as well. We let them know that there is the gospel of Jesus. This stuff is the suppressed truth. The world does not want it to be preached. Many in the church don't want it to be preached. But family, the word of God always goes forth. It always accomplishes his purpose. The Bible says my sheep will hear my voice. No other voice will they follow. Thank the Lord today, family, because he will hold us. He will keep us. He who began a good work in you will be faithful and just to bring it to completion in the day of the Lord. What a mighty, what an awesome God he is. This is how God can be just and loving at the same time. And it was only one way he could have did it. One way. And normally when my dad, you know, back, you know, grow, you know growing up with a father who's from Texas, you know, they, all have, they always have their saying. And the saying that he used to do all the time is, if you want a job done right, you gotta do it. Oh, whoa, a lot of Texans here today. If you want it done right, You got to do it yourself. That's the beauty of the gospel, though. There's only one way it could be done right. And it was with God doing it himself. He had to live the life we should have lived. He had to die the death that we should have died. And because he did, family, today, we can have life and life more abundant. Awesome message. Awesome message, awesome gospel. This is the good news of Jesus' family. Don't be silent. Don't be silent. Let's pray. Thank you for listening, and may the Lord bless you and keep you. For more information about Central Baptist Church, go to www.cbcaurora.com.